hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 57. That's the number of varieties. My name is Josh Canal. To my left, Ross McQueen. Hey, hey. What? No mister today. Mister. And to my right. <laughs> it's usually Mr. Ross McQueen. Brett Cropley, mister. Good evening, viewers. No, no Mac Diggity. Well, you know what? Because I didn't. <laughs> What's the shizzle with that rizzle? They, uh, they, I, they. I didn't give Brett a Mister last week. Oh, didn't you? And I thought maybe he was a bit upset about it. So ah, I see. I thought I'd even it. No, no, uh, no, uh, no cool hip talk today because uh, Brittany and Kev wasn't on the air last week. <gasps> Shock horror! They took it off for no reason, but it's back again this week. Oh, that's all right. What did they show instead of it? Uh, crap. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> so, sure. No change, really. No change. <laughs> Speaking of no change, what a ho-hum week in the world of television. No way. And let me say, <laughs> we have got one of the most exciting shows ever this week. I know. There has been so much going on. I am so freaking pissed off. Ooh. Ooh. Well, maybe. But we'll that's look. not why it's exciting. <laughs> It's exciting because we've got a special guest. We do. We've got Tom Elliott coming in to talk about exactly what has happened with the new media laws and Channel 9 and what's going to happen in the future. And please, somebody help us. Yes. What's going on. So, uh, Tom Elliott will be in later on in the show. We've uh, also got more about the new fall lineup. Mm -hmm. This week, we're talking about Dexter and Brothers and Sisters. Won't, Uh, Won't that be fun? Yes. Yes, for, for those of us who have seen them. Uh, Rachel Griffiths, our very own Rachel in Brothers and Sisters. Yes. That's the one. Yep. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, and her brother-in-law in Dexter. Yes. Not real brother-in-law, but uh, yes. party oh. of five with yeah. death brother-in-law. Michael C. Hall. Actually, when, and, when, when I first and, saw that mentioned on the blog, I, I actually thought Dead Zone, Anthony Michael Hall. Ah. Ah. Yeah. But no, and it wasn't Anthony Michael C. Hall. And no. I, I actually thought C. Thomas Howe. Ah, but, but it wasn't him either. Off, no, way off. No, he, he was in 24, though, ah, in, the, in the most yeah, recent series yeah. of 24. And so, so yeah, a bit of a uh, six feet alumni in this week's fall. Fall lineup. Fall lineup. Uh, talking a little bit about the Sopranos, uh, talking about the ABC. Did I mention that? We've got some quotes as well. Just one quote. One quote. Sorry, Singular. We've got, we've got quote. <laughs> uh, going to finish it off with pork. Mm-hmm. Oh, so much pork. But as always, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters News. And now for the news. Channel 10 has announced that its profits are down. Down, down, down. Uh, they've dropped 8.9% to $576.7 million. Isn't that just following the kind of industry trends because advertisers are going online and they're actually spending less uh, on traditional TV sorry, media? Sorry, that's that's my mistake. The, uh, the Channel 10 earnings dropped 56.8%. That's a big drop. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sorry, not their earnings, their, their profit dropped. Television's overall earnings or profit earnings? Earnings dropped 8.9%. So, uh, but but the network itself has announced an annual profit of 56% less than last year. But it's, it's not like it's losing money. 
No, it's still it's still profit, uh-huh. but it's half the profit they made last uh-huh. year. It's which is a and, a and how many plot. how many is that in dollars? Uh, it's uh, forty five point eight million dollars. Is their is their current profit, mm-hmm. which means last year they uh, they were close to a hundred million dollars. Which from a from a television point of view, that's quite interesting because ten have had such a better year this year than last year, with the exception possibly of Yasmin. But they did very well with... Uh, they're doing very well with Idol currently. They did very well with The okay. Biggest Loser earlier yes. in the year. Yep. Uh, from Big from, Brother an, from an outsider's point of view, it's, it seems to be like they're... Big Brother did better than last year, I think. Plus, it's, I the, it first, it's the first time they've mm. ever actually won a week. Won a nationwide week. That's true, that's true. They're consistently winning Wednesday nights. They've got Thank God You're Here, House... Going great guns. If you look back to last year, they had uh, X Factor, which was a complete disaster for them. Yep. Uh, and the idol ratings were down. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting but that they also they've also been screwed this year with uh, Commonwealth Games and Winter Olympics. Well, how are they? Uh, how are they going to try to uh, fix? Their problems, Brett Crockley. I'm glad you asked, Josh Canal. Uh, ten are going to refocus to lure older viewers. They're going to shed their juvenile image and market itself to online investors and unveil a digital media strategy next year. Uh, that's after they booked a 57% slide in net profits. Um, Ooh, the company up. will chase the more... It was more 56 point something a few minutes ago. They're, they're losing money by the second. The company is <laughs> going to chase the more lucrative 18 to 49 demographic, uh, having dominated the 16 to 39 age group for years. Uh, they say that it had nothing to do with trying to become more palatable to an acquirer now that media laws have changed. Doesn't it, does, doesn't it make sense, though, that the people who uh, it's always kind of appealed to have gotten older, and so their demographic would would get older. Mm-hmm. I mean, you don't stop liking shows like uh, Breaker Mars Futurama. or Simpsons or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You just get older while still liking them. Well, maybe you do. Maybe maybe as people get like it. What about? I don't, I don't think that any of us three have been affected by this. But as you get more responsibilities, and you know, you go off and become a chartered accountant or whatever, you you become more serious, and so you can't be seen to be watching Futurama or. Or whatever. What about the OC? Uh, the OC had a what surprise. What about Dawson, Dawson's Creek? These these are shows you'd grow out of, I would imagine. Well, that's true. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't watch them. Neighbours? You'd grow out of Neighbours. Uh, a lot of people don't. Lord, I'm still waiting for the day that somebody close to me grows out of Neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, station spokesman. Is, is that somebody who listens to the show? <laughs> uh, hopefully not this week. <laughs> A station spokesman hosed down speculation that News Limited, publisher of news.com.au, which is uh, Herald Sun and uh, Daily Telegraph up in Sydney, might be a buyer of 10 in the media takeover frenzy, uh, saying an approach had not been made. Was that with the real hose? So not actually saying that it's not going to happen. Was that with a real hose? I'd love that if somebody actually did hose down the speculation for real once. That would have been great. I've never seen a, a, a speculation out of captivity. Oh, that, yeah, that's true. We'll have true. we'll have more about how much speculation is going to abound in the world, abound, abound in the world of television with uh, Tom Elliott later on in the show. Yeah. Hey, uh, seven and ten are apparently in a bidding war for the next output uh, from the Foxy morons, Kath and Kim. <laughs> 
why uh, now forgive me if i if i'm wrong i i know they're doing great guns in britain and i know there's probably a lot of pressure on them to kind of to keep to keep making stuff the Kathin the the Kathin Kim code whatever it was called really wasn't that well received because it was a stinker and the impression I got was it had well and truly jumped the shark by that stage. Why are they doing? Firstly, why are they doing another series? And I mean, I can understand why the networks would go for it. Why Why are they doing another series? Because yeah. I think when you get to a point where people are just throwing money at you, it doesn't matter anymore. Okay. Yep. It, you know, it's it's the same reason that Mark Mitchell still does Con the Fruiterer. Yeah. It's okay. Well, let me let me rephrase my comment slightly then. Uh, don't you think that this is going to be terrible? Regardless, yes, yes I do. Okay, yes, Potentially. I do. Uh, the deal's also talking. What seven and ten are also talking to executive producer Rick McKenna, who has who is still insisting it's too early to say they won't screen on the ABC. Okay, um, they they want to keep they want to keep control of what they're doing and uh, not be dictated to too much out of any of the deals that they sign. And apparently one of the guys from uh, uh, Little Britain is going to star. Matt Lucas. Hilarious. No. Hilarious. No. Just a cameo. Right. Well, he jokingly said he'd love to be in the show. And they rang him up and he said, yeah, I'm serious. Well, it's clearly not jokingly said. He actually no, said. No, but he said, oh, I'd love to be in your show. Right. And, you know, which, which guy is it? The tall guy or the fat guy? Fat guy. Right. Hey, uh, no, let's keep with uh, Channel 10. We've got Channel, 10, Channel 10 News. Uh, talk show. Has optioned the rights to a new talk show format produced by his slash 2-4 Productions uh, out of the UK. It's called 24 Hours With. It's, a, it's the, the premise is a celebrity is locked inside a white room with the show's host for a full day's Q&A session, which is then edited down for a half-hour episode. Um, apparently, <clears throat> with the extended time with the host, uh, their defences are lowered and uh, it's not just uh, the pretense of whatever the celebrities are. Apparently, and, and they've, we, we they've have secured a... their first guest, which is David Hicks, which is good. Because <laughs> he's used to being in a, in a room for... for this is, this Wait, isn't an interview show. This, here, is, this is a torture test. <laughs> here is... I've got, a, I've got a clip. I've actually brought in a clip oh. from the show. Here, here. Let me out! <laughs> for God's sake, let me out! That that's funny because I've brought in a clip too. And yes, but my clip's from a little bit later than yours, about six hours later. <laughs> As you can see, the defences are way down; they're asleep. I'll load those clips into the uh, video podcast. Okay, <laughs> there is no video podcast. Like, I mean, this is this is that's a, ridiculous. It's yeah. Are they going to hop them up with an amphetamines to keep them going for the twenty four hours? No. We see that now. That would make it interesting. I would uh, twenty four hours on speed with yeah I think that that would be yeah, a great show yeah yeah hey I actually I think there might be let's pitch that <laughs> I think I think I, see, I might have seen pictures of Danny Minogue taking part in that show uh, over the week we could call it speeding with oh nice mm. nice yeah or teeth grinding teeth grinding yeah That's, that that'd be good. Um, Another winner. I can only see 10's profits skyrocketing now. <laughs> Terror. Where are they going to find a white room? Oh, they've got one. They've got one from Honey, We're Killing the Kids. Oh, okay. That's fine then. That's fine. Which was completely apropos of nothing in that, in that show too. 
Hey, the uh, the BBC, which uh, gets mostly funded out of licence fees for televisions in the, in the UK, UK. Where it's mm-hmm. law that you, if you have a TV, you have to pay a licence fee. Yes, and mm-hmm. that uh, licence fee uh, currently is £131.50. God, that's gone up. It was like 85 quid when I was there 10 years ago. I don't know how much a quid is, but how, how many pound. quid's in a pound? <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, they uh, they were going to rise it to two point three percent above inflation. So the the idea is that the uh, the well, it seems it's already been there unless they've been having hyperinflation no, the, in the UK the that I haven't is, heard about. Well, it's it's the UK. The license is uh, you were there ten years ago, Brett. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much what inflation has been like in the last ten years. Look at the price of petrol; it's gone up. That's been almost fifty percent in ten years. Anyway, they were well. That's a that's like a five percent CPI. That makes no sense. Well, they were looking at having it at two point three percent above CPI, uh, and they've reduced it to one point eight percent above CPI. So hopefully that will be a little bit more palatable because I think Parliament still has to agree to uh, to to how it works. You're full of numbers tonight. I am. It's full been of a, numbers. It's been a week of numbers. Really? It has been a week of numbers. Oh. There you uh, go. You heard it here first. <laughs> Hooray! Channel 9 <laughs> in Melbourne uh, has a new general manager taken from the Oz Stereo Radio Group. Uh, you might know his name, Gary Pertz. Taken or sharked? Uh, yeah, sharked. Sharked? Sharked. You think so? A friendly shark. Apparently it's a long-rumoured appointment. Yeah, a friendly shark. Uh, so they haven't bought him out of a contract or anything with a, a stereo. A toothless shark. Toothless shark. A toothless shark. That's sometimes what I was for. I'd forgotten yes. the. I'd forgotten the technical sometimes expression. Sometimes people. A toothless people shark. just change jobs. Yeah, that's what, what do you think a toothless shark is? <laughs> Pert's been with Oz Stereo for the last thirteen years. Yep. And before that was a footballer. Yep. Was he? Yep. Yep. Who did he play for? Melbourne and Fitzroy, Fitzroy and right. Collingwood. Ah, oh, Fitzroy. And Fitzroy and Collingwood. Hmm. Yeah, that'd be right. Before that, he made shampoo. Really? <laughs> did he did he mix it with conditioner? No. Uh, yes. <laughs> right. He's a genius. It was anti dandruff too. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So this he's the managing director, and of GTV of GTV Nine, just GTV Nine. Yep. Just GTV. Okay. Just Melbourne. So Eddie oversees the whole of Nine Network on the Eastern Seaboard. Yes, because they don't own anything outside of the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, and PBL don't own any any Channel 9s outside of the Eastern Seaboard. No, we've discussed this time and time again. Do we? So Eddie's I thought there was a of, whole deal with Bond. Eddie's... Yeah, but that's that was in 1985, oh. Brett. Yeah, sure. And then... Then you uh, went to London. <laughs> and, and and paid licence fees, and now you're back. Bondy lost his memory, and... Oh, there's a whole, there's a whole capital gains thing that's going to come okay, out of that, too. The history is Alan Bond owned... Channel 9, Perth. Perth. Yep. Hacker said, there's not room enough for the two of us, so one of us has to own the entire network. Yes. And Bond Bondi said, let that be me. To and Bill. Yes. Then, Kerry Packer came back and said, right, I'll buy it back from you. Well, Bondi was almost bankrupt right. at this point. And I'll buy it back from you for five bucks. 220 million, I think. <laughs> or... Are you, are you telling yourself this story? <laughs> I'm following this much so far. Or five bucks. We haven't got to, to how Channel 9 lost Perth. Uh, Packer, very happy with that deal, Yeah. still realised that Channel 9 Perth wasn't worth his time or effort. Sold it off. We 
just they just flip a switch. Yeah, really does. It's it all depends on whether or not it's making money for it. He's a very lazy man. Yeah, probably he's dead now. Hey, uh, uh, laziest you can get. Anyway, so Eddie's in charge of all of Channel Nine. Gary Pert is just in charge of Channel Nine Melbourne. What about Adelaide? They don't own Adelaide <laughs> either. So Channel Nine. So what does he do? As far as running Channel 9 Melbourne goes, how is it different to the other networks on the Eastern Seaboard? Who, Eddie or Gary Pert? <laughs> Gary Pert. Uh, looks after the AFL footy show. Um, looks after whatever's taping out of Bendigo Street. There are decisions that, that come down to, 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 to individual, individual networks, se- I'm, sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Decides if they're going to sell the property in Bendigo Street, which has been rumoured for some time. Right. Yeah, well, I, I'm sure I can't think of any off the top of my head. The only one I can think of is, is say, cricket, but that is a national thing. But if you had the equivalent of cricket, just say with the rugby recently, maybe he'd be the one who'd decide, well, we'll show Funniest Home Videos instead of the rugby. Right. Yep. Or sell the studios at Willoughby, which is also on the books from news today. Isn't that in Sydney? Why would, Gary, Sydney. why would Gary Pert <laughs> no, no, no. have that Gary, responsibility? Gary Pert's <laughs> opposite number up in Sydney would, would make that decision possibly. Probably in in. But he fits right into the Channel 9 thing because I'm sure he's full of uh, football analogies. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I, I think he fits right into the, to the whole Channel 9 and mindset. We should They're also, just taking it one game at a time. We should also mention at this point that there is possibly a rumour. I'm not even going to say it was on a crikey. Rumor. It was on crikey. A um, headline that said... What did it say? Eddie, Eddie Maguire boned, question mark. Right. That's all the news we can bring you about that. Uh, but hopefully... By the time you're listening to this, it might all be out there and there might have been uh, news bulletins about it. Yes, or yeah. retractions. <laughs> Not from us. <laughs> Not from we us. don't retract, damn it. No uh, hey, uh, Huff Creator is to, uh, <laughs> is to do a... a is to do a uh, a version of the BBC. Is to do a version of the BBC drama Blackpool. I uh, setting it in Las Vegas, and it's going to star Hugh Jackman. Uh, Blackpool screened on the ABC this year and was quite popular. It had uh, the ca- uh, cast breaking out into song periodically. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was kind of a Dennis Potter esque mm. serial. Yeah. It was- Interesting. So it'd be uh, interesting to see how that um, goes. Yeah, because I don't think uh, I don't think America has done a musical series since Cop Rock, which I loved, but nobody else did. <laughs> you are under arrest, uh, Sam Raimi. Excellent, excellent film director, Sam Raimi. Horror who, director. Yes. He, well, not only. He also directed Spider-Man 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he did directed, Evil Dead, yeah? He did Evil Dead uh, 1 through 3. He also did A Simple Plan. Uh, it's a very good director. One yeah. of my favourites. That other one with Kate Blanchett and Giovanni oh, Ribisi. Uh, the, uh, and, uh, and Katie Holmes. Yeah. Uh, which, if anyone can remember the name of that film. She's Kate now, Josh. Katie's not a woman's name. The film was with She's Katie Holmes. The film had Katie Holmes in it. Anyway, it was Give about a psychic. Give some respect, Josh. Sam Raimi, that man we were talking about, is uh, going to start a horror-slash-reality series for the CW Network in the States. Called Country Western Network? No, no, no. no. This, is, uh, 
This is the new uh, UPN uh, WB merge CW. It's, Warner it's, Brothers it's, and, and United Parcels nationally. <laughs> no, no, you're just making shit up. <laughs> the uh, the CW network uh, is uh, is going to have this show House of Horrors in which competitors are going to try to stay alive in a mysterious house. Stay alive. Quotes. They're going to kill these people in a reality TV show. In a house in which they must face that. You know what, Brett? <laughs> no, I'll leave that alone. They must ooh, face their darkest ooh, fears. Oh, that was good. Go there. Go there. <laughs> uh, Feel and that passion. And uh, one by one, they are going to get, quote, killed off ah, via cool. elaborately staged, quote, deaths that are going to mix uh, the elements of reality and horror genres. So they might not actually get killed, just stabbed a little. <laughs> I added that last bit. That wasn't actually in the news story. But it's, I think it's going to be... Uh, Hopefully it's better it's than be scare tactics. Scare tactics was terrible. Mm. But it did give, what's her name, a job. It did. Heather... Ex, uh, Luckily, yeah. No, no, no. She was in Heather's. X nine zero two one zero. Shannon Doherty. Shannon Doherty. Thank you. <laughs> that was such a terrible, was terrible show. She was the host. Terrible, mm. terrible, terrible show. Um, hey, the uh, the AFL Grand Final was a couple of weeks ago, so it must almost be time for the next season, mustn't it? Getting close. Uh, December, I think it starts. <laughs> Seven and ten uh, could turn Australian pay TV oh, on its head. No, no, no. I think we've got a Jessica Rowe this. Every week we come out with this, no, 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 with no, a no. new news this item is, saying, oh, this is what's happening with the footy. This is what's happening. In fact, I think, every week we say undecided, still undecided. I think we undecided. need to have a monitorium on this until it's the start of next After season. After I get through this. <laughs> Channel 7 and 10 have held talks with small pay TV operator Select TV about creating a new AFL footy channel. I didn't even know that they were still around. Uh, I knew that Ozstar was still around because they do the satellite stuff out into the country. Um, but Select TV is a uh, small cable network controlled by the wealthy Gordon family, which also controls Win TV, um, and they've got a few thousand subscribers. But if they got the footy, they would be going large. I suspect uh, just for starters. With subscriptions into pubs and clubs and all that sort well, of stuff, with, so they can have the footy on. With that whole bucket of indecision that is who's going to do AFL next year, the AFL have also delayed the announcement of their fixture mm-hmm. so that they can work out whether or not they'll have to move games around depending on whether or not uh, 7 and 10 are going to have to air all eight of them. So it's really causing everyone trouble and strife. Well, hopefully that delay will be over within the next 48 hours because Foxtel have renewed their AFL bid. They're talking to 7 and 10. You see, well, th- they're th- talking to 10. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Your two seven. news items just contradicted each other. Also, re- I think... Instead I, of just I doing think them- maybe I think maybe Select TV was a bit of a bluff, but they could have <laughs> gone through with it. So, but yeah. they were probably prompting Foxtel so to come, come on and talk. Instead of us saying a different thing each week, now we're saying a different thing in the same show. Brett, you have one news item left. Say it now. Hey, what? Bionic Woman. <laughs> Quick. One news item <laughs> to redeem yourself. Um, next 48 hours. And so an apology. And resolved. an apology. Uh, they're talking about 55 mil for four games a week. Bloody hell. And an apology. <laughs> The Bionic Woman, which was last seen in 1978, is set to make a return through a remake uh, put together by executive producer David Icke, who uh, worked on Battlestar Galactica. Now, Brett, who was the uh, the original Bionic Woman? 
Was it the original you, Bionic last Woman? Last week you said it was Farrah Fawcett. Did you not? I did. Right. And I was corrected in the blog over the week. And I said, as we all saw, and I said that it wasn't Farrah Fawcett. Jamie Summers, you, who you was insisted. the Bionic Woman, was played by Lindsay Wagner. You insisted, did you not? That I don't it was think Farrah that Fawcett. I insisted. Really? I said. I, I think I said that I was pretty sure. Do we have any pretty way sure. to plug my iPod into that machine? We do. There should be a cable over there. All right. Um, I'll see if I can work The Bionic out. Woman was played by Lindsay Wagner. Uh, this will be a complete reconceptualization of the title. They're using the title as a starting point, and that's all. Uh, it's using the idea of artificial technology as a metaphor for what contemporary women sometimes feel is necessary to do everything that needs to be artificial done. Artificial technology? What the hell is artificial technology? Here. Oh, here, here's a zapper. I'm going to zap you. <laughs> that's artificial what? technology. Well, it doesn't actually work, and it's not a zapper. Therefore, it's artificial technology. What the hell is artificial technology? <laughs> well, it's not natural technology. Well, what? I think, I think all, all technology is not natural. <laughs> there is no natural technology. What? What a tree is that natural technology? <laughs> yes. No, but but a, bonz, but a bonsai is because technology is making things smaller. <laughs> right. So a bonsai is natural that's technology. Natu- that's natural. So and everything so, else is artificial technology. No, 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 no. Uh, midgets. Midgets. Natural technology. Right. And everything else in the world is artificial technology. Shetland ponies. That's the most ridiculous thing. I can't wait for this uh, bionic woman with her artificial technology. Ross, I'm not sure I believe you, Ross. <laughs> What's to believe? <laughs> Uh, 24 creators are making a new show. It's going to be called NSA Innocent. It's about a man who is forced by the NSA to spy against his wishes. The NSA uh, is the National Security... Yep, yep. Uh, and apparently uh, these uh, these creators got a uh, a seven-figure deal for, for this show. So, um, yeah, good luck to them. Seven-figure deal? That's what it said. Bloody hell. I don't see the point of forcing somebody to become a spy. Good television. Yeah, um, but, but no, you know. no, not necessarily. Remember La Femme Nikita, which the television show, the television show, never saw the television show. It was it the was original, intriguing, and yet made no sense. Nikita, the original French movie, was good, fantastic, and then the movie with Gabrielle Byrne and whatever that's on this week, Assassins, was terrible. Whatever, Bridget Fonda, whatever, Bridget Fonda. Assassins was on on Saturday night or something, wasn't it? No, that was Assassins. This is the Assassin. Oh, the Assassin Bridget from Yep. And mm-hmm. lastly, in the news, uh, a pay a pay TV, sorry, a pay per view special, Super Fighter is going to be shot in Melbourne in December. I think on December second, and uh, it is going to be a super heavyweight boxes event, four hours live. Series of elimination rounds. There will be four four round bouts. The winners of those bouts will go into two four round bouts. The winners of those bouts will meet up for one final bout, and the winner will take a home five million dollars. Four pay TV uh, distributors in the US are going to be uh, carrying this, and one. Pay TV, uh, pay per view distributor in the sta- in Australia. Select. No main event. Main event. Uh, where are they doing it? Are they going to string it out over months? Like have one fight per night or four hours? All in four hours. 
all in the same night. All on one night. All on one night. Otherwise, it's not amazing. This is amazing. I reckon they should do it wrestling style. Put them all in the ring at once. In a cage. What, like eight, a, eight, eight boxes go in, one boxer comes out. With their managers on the outside. What's that called? It's called a uh, Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble. Cage match. Whatever. All right. And that <laughs> is the Box Cutters News. We're very glad to have back to the Box Cutters studio the very informative Tom Elliott. How yeah, are you? I'm good. I, <clears throat> I thought you were going to call me informed for a moment there, which uh, you know would be misleading the audience somewhat, Josh. <laughs> no, you're the one who tells us what's going on. In very limited, uh, precise areas, <laughs> yes. And, well, which, which leads me to my first question. What the hell is going on? Everyone seems to have just jumped up in the air and said, I'm going to buy this and I'm going to buy that. We're going to sell this. And the, the first people to announce it were, were Channel 9. Yes, well, well not PBL, just, PBL, not, yeah, PBL. Yes, well, uh, we're talking about the media frenzy that's going on at the moment. The uh, the cartoonists and the various papers are uh, doing various pictures of sharks circling, and uh, perhaps Helen Coonan being the telecommunications minister, being chucked into a pool of sharks. Um, look, there's been a lot of uh, conjecture over the last or oh, six to twelve months. In fact, really, actually, two years since the the federal government was re-elected. Everybody's been waiting for this uh, this sort of change to the media landscape. Yep. Now, now, the main targets, as the market identifies, have been Fairfax, because it has an open register, and because Kerry Packer tried to buy Fairfax in the early 90s. Um, personally, I'm, I'm not so sure in the digital world that the, the mastheads of the Fairfax papers, being the Fin Review, the Age, and the Sydney Morning Herald, are worth as much as what some people think they are. Yep. So we'll see. Um, next two are probably two radio companies, Southern Cross Broadcasting, which owns, amongst other things, 3AW, Magic 1278 and various regional television stations. And, of course, Austereo, which is much maligned because it, it pretty much had, it used to have the top you know, FM ratings in Australia and it's been attacked by Nova and other stations. But it's the only company you can buy where if you want a national capital city FM network with two stations in, in key cities like Melbourne and Sydney, mm-hmm. it's, it's the only one that you can buy. And if you look at what Nova spent... To, to acquire licenses off the federal government for Nova and the not so successful um, Vega Vega ninety one point five and and also the, their regional star network which uh, they've sold off as well yes they have but I mean yeah so I'm saying Osterio is obviously a target and, and what's happened is that since um, the federal government has announced that, that what they call the two voices policy you so see you can have print or TV or TV or radio, but not all three in any one market. Yep. That's something that made a lot of people think, well, hey, you know, if I'm Kerry Stokes, I've only got TV, so I can go and buy, as he's done, 15% of West Australian newspapers. Well, he could have done that at any point over the last 20 years. He could have. Well, he but, could buy 15%, but he couldn't buy the whole thing. Exactly. Yep. And in fact, and these, he couldn't these, be on the board. And these, lo- these legal changes uh, won't actually come into place until 2007. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what's going on at the moment is stuff, as you correctly point out, Brett, that could have already happened, but everybody wanted to see the lay of the land. They wanted to know what the rules would be before they started spending up big. And what James Packer has done at, um, at PBL, PBL, don't, a lot of people don't realise, the bulk of its cash comes actually from gaming now. And whereas Kerry, his uh, late father, loved media companies because they gave him a profile. James, I think, is a little harder-headed about it. And he's, you know, put sort of Nine and uh, the magazine division and a few other bits and pieces into a separate unlisted entity now, taking a lot of cash uh, for doing so, $4.5 billion. And that's the CVC Asia-Pacific? Yeah, CVC is what they call a private equity fund. So it's a, it's a big cashed-up US investment group, or right. the, the Asia-Pacific offshoot of one. 
However, that deal is it's basically on a promissory note at the moment, and that'll be uh, capitulated when the the new legislation becomes law. Um, no, I think I think the deal can be done the way it is. So you're talking about just how they've financed it, really. Like most private yeah. equity firms, what they look to do is borrow a ton of money, and that's what this one has done. There's about three and a half billion dollars of debt have gone into it. So what you're going to see happen is that uh, those that, that unlisted company that has all of Nine's major media assets, um, what's it going to do next? I mean, it might be the vehicle that goes and buys other things. Well, Ida Butros is saying that uh, one step will be to buy out Fairfax and uh, sell off, just you know, dump the Age and the Sydney Morning Herald, um, and keep the Fin Review because that's more in line with what they're, what they're doing with the rest of it, and just doing that as payback uh, for for the reporting back in the eighties uh, on the Goanna uh, case of Kerry Packer. In the uh, Costigan Commission, yeah, I think I think she's drawing she's stuff. drawing a, a, a much longer bow than uh, I mean I mean the number of conspiracy theories around media, and you've got to remember a lot of this is driven by the fact that the people commenting on it are in the media themselves, yes, mm. and so they see all sorts of you know uh, paybacks and and you know backstabbings and you know old scores that have to be settled. Look, Kerry Packer's dead, yep. and James doesn't actually have a great memory of that sort of go around a period because he was too young. And, and, and doesn't, you know, it's almost like the reverse of the sins of the father being visited on the son. I'm not sure he has the same prejudices about it. I don't think the Packer Group or the new PBL media thing, we don't know what it's called yet, is going to go and buy Fairfax. I'll say that and I'll probably be proved wrong tomorrow. I don't think they are. I mean, look at the things they're interested in. Like, instead of buying Fairfax for its classifieds, which is the old rivers of gold, they bought Seek. And it's- interestingly, they have kept their investment in Seek. They haven't put that into this new uh, media uh, entity so, you know, that's, that's, that's a new age company, and I mean new age in the, not in the old hippie sense, but, you know, it, it's a company that focuses on new online media. classifieds, new media. Yeah. And PBL have announced that they're looking at doubling their worth in the next five years. That's, that's something I read in, uh, in, in an article today. That by 2011, they want to be worth like $10 billion. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that by buying these newspapers that, aren't making as much money uh, as... Our ex-growth. Yeah. I mean, Fairfax is not a growth company anymore. The, the, the biggest bit of expansion they did recently was uh, buying some uh, internet assets in New Zealand, which, you know, is not a, such a massive, a massive growth market either. So, look, I mean, they've certainly got plans, and they're not going to announce in advance how they're going to do them, but I guarantee this, it, it won't be a way that people expect. It'll be something different. Mm. What, what's it going to mean for television, though? I mean, when the companies that own the television companies, the, the television networks, aren't concentrating almost entirely on running that network, uh, but are concentrating on uh, expanding their voice. How do you think it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the, the, the way we see television in, in the coming years? It's a good point, but you're already seeing some of that transformation at nine. I mean, they've already made efforts to have things like crossovers between stuff that's in the Bulletin, which is one of the, the magazines mm-hmm. in the ACP stable, Stuff that's on TV, stuff that's on the 9MSN website. You know, you, you're seeing, perhaps not always well done, but you are seeing that sort of convergence that people have been talking about. To say that they won't be focused on it, I mean, you've got to remember, there are whole executive teams in place that do nothing but focus on Channel 9 and the TV market. I mean, Eddie Maguire, that's what he does. You know, he yep. runs a TV station or a, a series of TV stations. A, a, a late-breaking thing that I couldn't confirm on the way in tonight uh, was... Uh, Crikey has some sort of report that uh, maybe Eddie's on the way out. 
I'd be did, surprised. Did you catch that? I, no, I didn't hear that. I didn't hear that. I mean, look, I, I, I do some work for the Nine Network now, so I've got to stick my hand up and say that. Uh, I'm on their payroll, so I can't say bad things about Eddie, otherwise I won't be on their payroll. <laughs> but, um, oh, look, you know, I think, you know, Eddie's... Uh, Perhaps had a mixed experience with running a TV station. You know, he'd prefer to live in Melbourne rather than Sydney. That's no secret. You know, he'd prefer to still be thinking he could be president of the Collingwood Football Club. That's probably got to stop fairly soon. But to say that he's on the way out, I'd be surprised. The only thing I would say is that, is that the, the private equity investors, the CVC company, which you mentioned before, Brett, you know, they haven't put billions of dollars into this to sort of keep senior executives in a nice sort of costed lifestyle. Having said that, Eddie's already done a pile of cost-cutting at Channel 9. I mean, Yana Vent mm. went, you know. Mm. Um, you're saying that there's been a fair bit of redundancy is over 200. Exactly. Yep. So you know he's he's doing the sort of work that uh, you know that they would he's only doing the sort of work that they would want him to do. Well, the latest I heard was uh, they're talking about selling Willoughby for 200 million dollars and moving into town. That, um, now I, that they're going digital and they don't need yeah. the the transmission. Nine has got space. some very old-fashioned stuff in there. I've got to say, having gone in there, you just can't believe. Some of the machines and things that are still around, uh, you know, since the '60s. I mean, it's still being used. Old tape editing suites and things like that. Well, a, this a, is something a that friend of ours is uh, uh, who's been on the show a bit is actually James Talley got uh, posted to London as Channel 9's London reporter, and uh, in this day and age, they still they still do all of their editing. Like every time they go through customs and whatever, they carry the big machines like none it's of it's astonishing i said yeah, I, sat next, I sat next to a channel line guy going uh, to somewhere in asia on some trip and he had about six big metal cases you know he took everything yeah. with him and I, yeah. I thought i thought you just have a, well, you know, a digital handheld camera with a satellite link. surely you could do it all on computers now well, but you, you could yeah. yeah you could do it all easily on a Mac with Final Cut Next Pro thing you'll be saying, you can store thousands of songs on a thing, <laughs> on a device the size of your mobile phone. I mean, it's just stupid, isn't it? Uh, but, I mean, we saw Channel 10 did that many years ago. They they sold up their, uh, their studios in Melbourne at, at mm. Nunawading and uh, moved into an office building uh, in, in South Yarra. And they're still losing the ratings. And they're still losing the ratings and they're, and they're losing money. Uh, I, losing profits. They're, not losing so, no, they're, they're, they're making losing money. Just they're, they're, they're losing profits. Yeah, but they're the least profitable of the yes. three networks. The uh, the thing is, though, that's not necessarily the answer. I mean, sure, it's, it's short-term cost-cutting, but where are the, you know, what are the, the big wigs doing about the longevity of... Okay, look at it this way. The, the cost-cutting is stuff that's sort of got to happen. You know, if you've got old fa- a big old-fashioned studio op- occupying a lot of land as Channel 9 does. You don't need that anymore. But what you still have to have, what you really need is, is TV visionaries. You know, mm. what do people want to watch? Yep. I mean, Channel 7, you know, went up in the ratings two years ago because it simply picked a whole lot of shows that people wanted to watch. Yeah, exactly. And, and program selection and development is still still the absolute mainstay. You know, people just assume that, you know, you'll just watch whatever's put in front of them. That's not true. You know, they have alternatives. So, you know, the big job is still, and, and, and that's what the executives at these places have to do, is come up with programs, whether they're buying you, overseas ones or developing local think, ones. Do you think Channel 9's doing that, though? Channel 9 in the last 12 months have seemed to have just been doing what's cheapest. We don't, oh. we don't necessarily care to go for the best quality programming. We'll, we'll, go, we'll take the cheaper option. Not, not necessarily cheapest, Ross, because surely 15 to 1 would have been a lot cheaper than 20 to 1. <laughs> It's 25% cheaper. That's right. Look, look you, you, but you're assuming, for instance, like what is expensive programming these days is local drama. You know, it costs anywhere between mm-hmm. half and three quarters of a million dollars to produce yep. an hour of TV. Mm-hmm. It only costs 100 to 150 to buy a, a US hour. 
the only thing is that what is often cheaper is what people want to watch. You know, reality shows that work well, be they singing-type programs or dancing-type programs or survivor-type programs, some are successful and do really well and some aren't. But it's always hard to tell in advance which will yep. be the good ones. Now, you probably know about the figures. Uh, the SMS voting, is that a, a big moneymaker for them, for those programs? It, it's getting to be bigger. Um, for instance, um, I mean, Millionaire, which has been around for a few years now, it, all the prize money on that show is provided by people ringing up trying to get on the program. Mm. Um, and so that's a way of, of basically the program pays for itself. And that's why they mm. draw it out for so long, because they need to keep the program nice and long. And But they do want people to think that they have a chance of getting on. So, yeah, I think, you know, SMS voting and that sort of thing, but they're also encouraging people to email, and that still is free. So, you know that side of it people don't have to spend money to, to take part in those well, programs the, and the up late game shows surely they, I mean they must they must just pay for themselves completely you, you wouldn't be paying those ex big brother people too mm. much to prattle on for four hours yeah, and it completely destroys your argument they're going for cheap crappy programming <laughs> <laughs> so overall uh, do you think and, and you might have a different answer to this professionally or personally do you think the new media laws are a good thing um, actually, I think they're some, somewhat irrelevant, to be honest. I think that, that, that what's happening... One of the things they don't address is what's happening on the internet. The fact is, you know, compared to 10 or 20 years ago, actually people do have a lot more diversity in their programming now because, you know, they've got this thing that they can read any newspaper on earth. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, you know, obviously the major media organs are important, um, and it, but it's always going to be an issue in a small country like Australia that we're only ever going to have two or three or perhaps four, you know, voices, if you like, out there. So I think the laws are only really just saying what's sort of happening anyway. They're just, you know, just reality. I think one of the worst things about them is that somehow the National Party is now gets to bore, you know, rural and regional listeners with four and a half hours a day of the local member of parliament. I mean, who on earth would want to listen to that? No, no one. No, not, that's why people are leaving rural areas as yes. we speak. They're being forced out by the, by the stuff they're forced to listen to. I mean, why can't they just have country and western, which is what they want to hear? No, they're being paid to stay there. That's, so That's what the 350 mils go into the farmers. Yeah, that's for. what the drought relief is. I agree. So short answer, Tom, storm te- teacup. I think I think there's so much focus on it because it's people who work in the media who think it's a big thing. To the average person, I don't think it's going to make much difference. They'll look at the things they want to watch on TV. They'll have the internet there to give them all sorts of different views, some of them pretty stupid. They'll read blogs and so forth. And the major newspapers will continue to serve up the, the, the type of political commentary that they already do. And do you think it's going to lose the election for the government next time around? I don't, I don't think there's votes in it either way. I really don't. I just Coonan and Howard were, were very quick uh, off the mark this morning to distance themselves from the new media laws, meaning this feeding frenzy uh, with different companies has been going if, on. If you look at what most people read in Melbourne, they read the Herald Sun. What do they listen to? They listen to 3AW and things like that. Will that change? No, it won't. Will the ABC change? And that's a whole separate topic about the censors, as they're calling it, the censors role of the ABC. Arguably, that's the sort of thing that people will get themselves in knots over. But most yes. of the people who listen to the ABC don't vote for the Liberal Party anyway, so <laughs> it probably doesn't matter. And we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the show. Tom Elliott, thank you, as always, for putting everything into perspective for us. Josh, it was my pleasure. Hi, I'm Jess McGuire, and you're listening to the lovely word spoofing boys at Box Cutters. Box Cutters, Box Cutters, Box Cutters. The ABC have announced this week that uh, they're going to have a new set of guidelines. The ABC's uh, managing director, Mark Scott, made a speech this week at the Sydney Institute's 
Um, laying out a bit of a new policy that's going to be uh, the clean, the, the new broom that's sweeping through the ABC. Policy is going to be brought into play, I think it's in March next year. Um, there's various people all over the ABC talking about it already um, and what it's going to mean. Uh, what is it going to mean, Brett? Yeah, well, that's, that's what I want to know. Out of his speech, uh, he says that he's, he's called on some of the ABC's harshest public critics... Uh, they'll love it, but there's a sense that the organisation has issues with balance and fairness. Um, and he Which organisation? The ABC? The ABC. Or the government? The ABC. So who has the issues? The ABC has the issues with itself? The government has issues with the ABC, saying that the ABC has problems. The, the ABC's harshest critics have issues with its balance and fairness. Right. Okay. So the ABC aren't criticising themselves. It's people from outside no, criticising no. them. And in fact, uh, he goes on to say that a recent news poll indicated that 90% of the public believe the ABC provided a valuable or very valuable service, uh, not having issues about balance or fairness at all. However, uh, he's brought in a raft of new uh, policies, no, uh, Matters um, that means that uh, on contentious matters they have to hear the full range of voices. They have to take another look at fairness and what it means to be impartial. Impartiality is a long-held expectation of our news coverage, uh, but they're going to take it from news in, and current affairs, which it has applied to for for some time now, and take it uh, into all shows across the ABC. Uh, the movie show well, at the movies with David and Margaret, the Glass House, everything. Uh, if there's see if there's... this, this doesn't make any sense at all because, especially with comedy, there's nothing funny about the opposition. Really, they don't do enough to to make jokes about them. Well, if you saw the Glass House this week, did you? No. <clears throat> Will actually uh, addressed it, saying that basically uh, they take the piss out of the government, out of, out of the Liberal Party, because they are the government. And if they want them to take the piss out of the Labor Party, then it's simple. Just lose the next election and they'll be taking the piss out of the ALP every single week, the same as they are um, with the Liberal government. And I think the Chaser also <coughs> released a statement this week saying that in light of these new guidelines, they both approve and disapprove of the guidelines. <laughs> See, how, how, how is that going to work too, like with the movie show? Well, for, they're going to have an extra panellist sitting there who whenever David says, well, I really didn't like this film, they say, well, this film's excellent. Well, no, that's what Margaret's for. Yes. Um, <laughs> but um, sometimes I'll need a, a third and possibly fourth panellist. Yeah. For um, example, when there was a lot of fuss when... Uh, uh, Fahrenheit 9-11, no, yep. uh, whatever yeah, yeah. it was, came out and uh, both David and Margaret were very pro the movie and were saying, well, we're saying that a lot of what was stated in the movie was fact. Does this mean we're going to have to have someone else there or maybe a little uh, a little subtitle saying, actually, this is a bad film? Yep, potentially. Well, Along well, with the, warnings before the screening. That... that- well, there, there will this be... show contains opinion. Or what I was going to say, which is there will be warnings before a show airs saying this show contains opinion. <laughs> uh, the, uh... 
The thing is that the critics are, that, that Mark Scott speaks of are invariably right-wing conservative supporters of the Howard government. People like Andrew Bolt, Jared Henderson, who's the executive director of the Sydney Institute, who happened to host the speech now, Andrew this Bolt, week. Andrew Bolt's on air every week on Insiders. He is on air, and he's also one of the, the most outspoken critics of the ABC. He's often flailing the ABC. In, and uh, Piers Ackerman... In his column. Right. People who support Australia being part of the invading forces in Iraq, the locking up of asylum seekers in desert-based detention centres, uh, naysaying climate change, uh, supporting work choices, and also reducing the public funding of the ABC. You know, you know what would make a lot more sense? If the government gave enough money to the ABC to make it popular enough for its opinions, views and news stories to actually mean anything. Nobody watches the ABC except for the government and older people. No, that's untrue. Oh, really? My generalisation was untrue for it. <laughs> it's, I mean, this, this, the people who pay the most attention to the ABC are the government. I think mean, everybody else really understands what's going on. They're just making fools of themselves. Plus, I think if you've got a show uh, like Media Watch, uh, a lot of Media Watch's criticisms of just about everything could be considered left-wing propaganda mm-hmm. and in fact and, that, and that, all that all that is 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 just depends on your opinion yeah and like, in fact, but in fact media watch came for came in for special attention and they're talking about completely re, re reinventing the the idea bef- behind the show and basically Basically, uh, what's what, it? What nobbling, is, nobbling uh, it, what it does, which so, is to actually keep a, keep an eye on the media. These are so essentially what Media Watch is going to become is these are the news stories that we had issues with during the week. Your task is to work out what we thought was wrong with them. Either that, and, or, and it's so much shorter. It's Andrew Bolt, <laughs> Andrew Bolt, where are the articles that you had an issue with? Peter Zuckerman, where are the articles? Yeah, either that, or they'll, uh, you know, they'll, for every caning of say the Herald Sun that they do, they'll do a positive piece on uh, on how good the fashion segment was. Yeah, or how many pictures of cats there were. Hmm. Now, I, even even to now, without a new without any new policy, uh, seven seven four in Melbourne radio has filled their afternoon drive programs with two presenters that distinctly lack the intelligence of their their predecessors, talking about just time wasting issues like World Massage Day and where the footballers should be held up to greater accountability because they're role models. Like they're they're already self censoring themselves. And this freaking government lackey is coming in and he's just going to make the entire organisation a waste of time. Well, it's, it's like none of us even expected this when he was given the job. We all thought that's exactly well, what was going to happen. I don't think that that's a reason why we shouldn't be outraged. We should have been outraged all along. We have been, I have out- been outraged. We have been outraged all along. More people need to be outraged at this. No, you know what they need to do? Close the fucking ABC. Just close it. Because there's no point spending all of that money on something that is going to be completely ineffectual. Close it. Well, I think the ABC should stay open, and I think this is a good idea. 
I think it'll only do good for the ABC and its viewers. We don't have and the policy, Russ. That's what we can... We don't have to be we, fair and biased. Oh, we don't have to be fair oh, and okay. biased. All right. So. Fair and biased. <laughs> <laughs> Balanced. Then I think keep the ABC open and uh, it's a good policy as well. Hey, this is James Talia and you're listening to the spot where you can find out everything good, bad and otherwise on your box. It's the Box Cutters. In the full lineup. We're talking about two shows. Yes. The first, because let's get this over and done with, Brothers and Sisters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brothers and Sisters is uh, a new show created by somebody I've never heard of before. A guy called John Robin Babbitt. Do we know what John Robin Babbitt has done before? Uh, he and the director, Kevin Olin, uh, have obviously have a strong Alias connection. They both worked on Alias. Right. Which this is nothing like Alias, no. this show. And uh, interestingly, there's two of the Alias alumni in there as well. Ron Rifkin, who is excellent as Arvin Sloan, yes. plays the uncle. And uh, Balthazar Getty, who was forgettable in the last series of Alias. I think uh, Balthazar yes. Getty has been forgettable in every single role he's ever had. Yeah, that's Apart true. from that name. No, mm. Yeah, the name you remember really well. But yeah. what's he been in? He played someone's son, I remember, one hey, time. Hey, hey, hey. He was in the greatest movie of all time. Lost Highway. Oh, yes, he was. He played. He was the kid in jail. Yep. In Lost Highway. Yep. Yeah. And still, see, I forgot that. Yes. Yes. And you know how much I love that film. Yes. Right. Well, it's the greatest film ever. Uh, this is basically a, uh, a family melodrama, really, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a big family full of brothers and sisters, and uh, they have secrets. Ooh. Yeah, everyone's everyone's got a secret. Now, yes. I, I actually thought that there was a big... Uh, what The guy who did Ali McBeal and Boston Public and... Oh, yep, David E. Kelly. David E. Kelly connection because it stars Callista Flockhart. Who and, I cannot stand. And I can't watch first, her on TV. She's horrible. In the first episode, mm-hmm. Tom Skerritt. Yes, Who Picket was Fences. in Picket Fences. Yes. So I thought there was a huge David E. Kelly connection mm-hmm. and then upon watching it realised, no... No. There was no David E. Kelly in this show whatsoever. Yes. Callista plays a conservative spokeswoman for the uh, for right-wingers, and she has a radio show and possibly a television show coming up, and her mum is a, uh, a hippie liberal, and circumstances conspire against them. They end up living together, and now, they become the... Uh, her mum played by Sally Field. And they become the original odd couple, because I'm sure that that sort of thing's never happened on TV before. And, and this, is, this is essentially where the show starts to go wrong. Actually, the show starts to go wrong, I think, in the first scene, where we see Callista Flockhart on the phone to her sister, played by Australia's own Rachel Griffith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we already know, through some terrible exposition, that there are problems with, uh, with their relationship. And that it's going to be her birthday. Callista and the mothers. Yes. Problems with with, uh, their relationship. And then it's going to be Callista Flockhart's birthday. And she's flying out to LA. And all of this is in like 30 seconds Mm -hmm. of of, of phone conversation. And uh, just, it really doesn't bode well for the the rest of the show. No. I've seen the first two episodes. Mm -hmm. Same. Uh, There's, okay, there's a lot more story in it. Uh, one of the brothers was uh, over in Afghanistan and uh, now can't get a job and, and has a lot of problems He's like that. He's addicted to drugs. Uh, 
There's so he was uh, fighting in Afghanistan. There's another. Sure. There was another brother who's a gay lawyer, mm-hmm. or a lawyer who's also gay, or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I mean, this is the problem. It's just it seems to just be cliche upon cliche. You know, it, it it's just laden with them, and they telegraph everything that's coming. Callista starts to work on this new TV show, and her opposite number that she's going to be fighting against. The, uh, the democratic viewpoint spokesman is attractive and suave and they have a real chemistry and they obviously like each other. Sparks are going to fly, but can they get over their different political ideologies? Well, you know, who cares? Mm. There's a scene early on with Rachel Griffith where she's having trouble with her husband. She goes and visits an ex-colleague and there's obviously a lot of feelings between those two. She's very good and proper. She controls herself well in their meeting when she gets back to the car, she bursts into tears. I mean, we, we've seen this cliche just so many but times. It, even Rachel Griffith and one of and Balthazar Getty mm-hmm. both uh, run the family business, which is a fruit uh, wholesaler. And uh, there's one sentence somewhere early on where uh, something hasn't been paid for and it usually gets paid on time. Yep. And it's just so obvious that someone's been diddling the books. Yeah. Yeah, every, every, everything gets telegraphed. Everything. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a drama show for dumb people. I think it is, and and even the members of the family who hate each other love each other infinitely more than than any normal family. And it's the sort of family that uh, no problem can't be solved in a quick two minute chat before an ad break. Yep. So uh, now they've had, they've had a lot of problems with brothers and sisters, as they have. I understand it. Uh, they aired a few episodes, took it off completely rejigged it mm-hmm. uh, and are starting to air it again. Mm-hmm. I can't see that the rejigging is worth. But it's been picked up for a season. For, for a full season? For a full season, because which is interesting. there are lots of dumb people who like drama. <laughs> um, I just want to mention, just a side point, it's, uh, it's interesting that uh, the, the way threats seep into the conscious of, uh, of creative people. I think in the 50s you had the communism threat was really big with you know, invasion of the body snatchers and, and the threat of nuclear war with, uh, had, had a huge influence on comics and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I think that the, uh, the, the, the September 11 has well and truly soaked into the conscious of of creative people now. I think you see that very much in The Others with Lost and even more obviously with uh, Jericho yep. with its nuclear strike. Same thing happening in Heroes. There's, yes. a, there's a nuclear strike against New York. Uh, I, I kind of got the impression that this was written by somebody with more liberal views than the Callista Flockhart character and trying trying hard to justify that position, how somebody could be right-wing and whatever. Uh, and so in the first episode, she had this little speech where basically she's justifying her views by saying, I was there, I was right there, I was in New York, I was six blocks away from where the towers fell. Look, now, just... now, where the towers fell, it's also where the towers stood. Yes, yes. But she so... could have just said where the towers were. Yes, I, d- I just think it's 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 an interesting point that I think you know this is this is obviously uh, you know affecting the conscious t- to that much and uh, yeah I I I, I did I didn't buy her character no, as, not, a, as, a, as a right wing and and my point about that line is that that's the kind of overemphasis that they have in this show it's not enough to say where the towers were and for everyone to go. I understand that would be... And when I watched it back to get the quote, like she says, I was right there, and the music swells. Yeah, it really is. I was right there. 
You know what's uh, what's what's drama for six for sick people? Dexter. Dexter. I love it, mm-hmm. and I I didn't think I didn't think I would because I don't because I hated Party of Five with Death so much. Was it called Six Feet Under? Mm-hmm. So much <laughs> that uh, I don't want to see anything with any of those siblings yep. in it. Yep. Uh, which is a shame because they're probably quite good. In fact, they are quite good actors. Had quite a good cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Michael C. Hall is that his name? Yep. When I heard that he was that he was playing Dexter, I just went, "Oh, okay, David Fisher." For heaven's sake, mm-hmm. I just don't want to see any of them. Mm-hmm. But. I watched it because Showtime was putting a lot of money behind it and mm-hmm. really wanting it to work. And I thought, well, it's, uh, it's reason enough to, uh, to start watching it. Now, it's all about this guy, Dexter. He works every day for the Miami police as a forensics expert in blood spatter mm-hmm. patterns. Now, I had no idea that you could even be an expert in blood spl- splatter patterns. But he he can analyse the way blood has fallen during some kind, whatever kind of accident that usually uh, results in death, and work out how the person was hit, where they were when they were hit, how they fell, exactly what arteries or veins were cut, and being able to tell the story about the relationship between the people, between the slicer and and the victim. Yes, which is fascinating, absolutely fascinating, and that alone would make for a great character. But the series actually opens up with him, with a, with a victim of his own. Because he is also a serial killer. And this is what I love. He's, he works for the cops, but he's also a serial killer. Like, that's not conflict of interest. He, uh, he says to himself, well, it's okay because he's only killing the bad guys. Mm-hmm. But is he really? Or how much does he love it? Why does he love it so much? And why does he get so turned on by it? I think the show is probably a, a little bit uh, overdone in how much he talks about how emotionless he is. And it, it really is mostly just his character. Well, it, it was, it's based on a novel. Yes. So I, I think that wordiness has, has come pretty much straight off the page, I would imagine. Yeah, and I think it's uh, I think it's unnecessary because you see it a lot in in his face. I, mm. He is quite a good actor, and you can see with the he's got a girlfriend who has some emotional problems and doesn't want to have sex, which for him is perfect because he never has and he doesn't doesn't really understand it. it. He's really asexual. Uh, the girlfriend is played by the girl who played Dala in uh, in Buffy, mm-hmm. uh, whose name Mercedes someone uh, I think. And he has I've forgotten. I haven't written any notes. And he was fostered as a child, and he has a foster sister. Yes, who's who, also who's also a cop. Yeah, uh, and just I think a, a really nice blend of different personalities, different backstories, and uh, a really interesting premise. Okay. Now I didn't get a chance to look it up because I've been throttled. But um, who, who are the people behind the series? I don't know. Is there an Oz connection? Because there are two Oz people in the first episode, that, which is the one that I've seen. Who are they? Uh, the, the, the superintendent. So the, the Chicano woman who's, who has the hots for Dexter. Who was she in Oz? She was the nurse in Oz. Right. And his other, oh, um, right. His other forensics buddy, who was uh, a kind of family-connected one of the prisoners. Yeah, that's right. 
so it's it's possible. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to I'll have to look into that. Uh, I, I, I've got to say, I'm uh, I'm I, I quite enjoyed this, but I'm not wild about it, and I don't know if I'll bother. I've watched the first two episodes. I don't know if I'll keep watching. There's something about the uh, the Showtime dramas I find that's and and their comedies that's just a little bit try hard. It, 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 I mean HBO. If if you're talking about like siblings, HBO would be the worst brother older brother to have because you're never going to yeah. be able to live up to that and it's shocking and it and it's and it's out there and it does it so effortlessly I, I kind of always get the feeling of showtime is like the little brother sticking up the hand hey look at me look I, i'm i'm out there too i'm i'm radical i'm i'm cool and i just kind of find i find with this and with weeds and with huff it, it, it just has the stink of just trying a bit too hard i dig all those and and this one I love. Uh, I Did also, you see Sleeper Cell? I also love the uh, the voiceover narration, which you know to to look at Dexter in the show, it looks like David Fisher, but then it's got this awesome kind of noir esque uh, deep voiceover that just gives him sonically. It just makes him so much deeper. I I don't know how they're going to do a, a second season. Yeah, um, well that that's the thing too. I I don't think. Yeah, it doesn't. I, it doesn't have it longevity written on it. No, because there there are ongoing storylines that you would think would have to be resolved relatively quickly. Yeah, and you know, I I love the idea of the character, but I don't think I could watch him for twenty weeks. Mm. I think if this is a twelve, and I don't know how many episodes. I'm assuming been. it's probably a twelve. If this is if this is a twelve episode season, then I good fine do it. But I don't think I could watch this uh, every week for a full year. Mm. Uh, I also don't think I could watch it uh, as time goes on. 20 weeks is only six months. Mm. Still, I don't think I could watch a, a, full, a full season like that. Mm. Uh, that's what I mean by full year. I talk in television years. So that's Dexter and Brothers and Sisters. Box cutters. And we're back. I just wanted to mention quickly, there was an article in this week's Green Guide uh, responding to all the letters that they've had about Sopranos and about Rome. They uh, interviewed a uh, Channel 9 programmer uh, about it. And uh, this was just insulting to anybody's intelligence. First off, started by saying, well, if there were more people watching Sopranos, we would have kept it on. Uh, this is very loyal-like, I think. You know, blame the victim, create doubt in, doubt in people's minds. Yeah. Uh, secondly, he, then he went on to say, oh, but I, I'm actually a fan of Sopranos myself. I, I really like the show. Uh, so that's great. He's, uh, he's one of us. I'm sure that the fact that he's a uh, programmer at Channel 9 hasn't precluded him from seeing the whole series mm-hmm. of the Sopranos already. I'm sure he's not sitting there at midnight on Wednesday going, or midnight on Mondays going, why did we change it to this time? <laughs> Crap. And then at the end of that interview, Nicole Brady says that uh, a number of people uh, who tape it because it's so late uh, complain because scheduling means that it actually starts late and so ends late. And his fuck you was, I use a three-hour tape. Exactly. He, well, no, it was worse than that. He, yeah, he, he, he spouted very condescendingly, we don't program for your VCR. What? Now, firstly, I mean, this makes no sense. What he's actually saying, there, there isn't a shred of sense there, but the message is very clear. I'm a big, important programmer. You're just the viewer. You don't count. We don't care. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, how, how on earth can you be? How on earth can you say, well, we can't be responsible for what time our shows go to air 
because you might happen to tape them. That's why you give them time slots. There's been lots of important news. We've been having extra news breaks. Yeah, was his excuse. Just absolute rubbish. So, um, yeah, once again, an insult to uh, insult to anybody who watches television. This is what sh- this is what we should get, go to the streets about. Mm. I think this is this is the last thing that people really care about. Yep. We need a day of action. We do. We need to go really to the, go to the mattresses. Oh, I was going to come. Come to the least. Just a very quick quote. You know, with a pair of glasses on, my penis looks exactly like David Koch. In fact, I filled in for Sunrise a couple of times. I heard this. The only one who noticed was Mel. She thought I was wittier. It was Tench. It was Tench. A little bit of Tench gold. That's quite good. I think that's very funny. That is quite good. Yeah. Still, and who was he talking to? Uh, he was talking to Mick Malloy. So, like, and, and that was very funny. He was talking to Mick Malloy saying, oh, there's rumours that we're getting canned. <laughs> that was, <laughs> and getting advice from, from Mick Malloy and, and asking Mick if, you know, in reminiscing of his old show, if he ever, you know, on a Saturday night goes up and urinates on his television. It was, it was, it was very funny stuff. I still like tension. Hey, um, when I cast my pod... It's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Now, I wanted to talk about America's Next Top Model. Yes. And now we have Sans to talk, writers? We have to talk quickly because there's quite a bit of pork to get through. Yes. Uh, America's Next Top Model has not had its writers for the first few episodes because of the writer's strike that we've mentioned a number of times. Oh, this is reality TV. People are just speaking their minds. Mm. Right. It turns out their minds are full of shit. <laughs> right. I worked out uh, in the second, third episode that uh, America's Next Top Model really needs its writers when Tyra came up to the contestants going, Oh! Oh my goodness! And she was flailing her arms around going, Someone look after my dog! Oh, no one look at me, I'm a star! And she, really, my acting, that's what her acting was like. Really? Yeah. Which means that my acting is very good because I can easily <laughs> emulate that. Just absolutely terrible. She looks like a fool. They don't know what's going on. Uh, it's really a little bit of bedlam. So if you get a chance, uh, have a look at America's Next Top Model on Fox 8. Hey, wow, that sounds, uh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, I, it's, it's like a train crash. <laughs> hey, uh, I've got a couple, of, uh, a couple of new ideas for segments for, for our show. Yes, yeah. we don't want to. We don't want to get stale. We want to keep mixing it up and and changing things up. So the first segment I came up Talk with, back. <laughs> the first segment I came up with was uh, is called movie yes, movie no, and and this is very simple. You can play along at home. Uh, it works like this: Rushmore, yes, yes, Home Alone four, no, no. These are all movies that are on this week. Time of the Wolf, yes, Scary Movie two, no. no. Really? Okay. Chasing Amy. Scary movie was okay. Yes. No, scary movie too, though. Uh, Chasing Amy is a movie. Chasing Amy. Yes. The hot chick. Yes. No. I say yes to the hot chick. (laughs) No. Rob Schneider films. I have this theme for Rob Schneider films. I think they're hilarious. And Chasing Amy just has that chick whining through it all. I'd prefer to watch Chasing Amy any day than anything with Rob Schneider anywhere near it. Uh, see, I don't know what it is. I think Rob Schneider is hilarious. Another segment I was thinking we could do is, that's not news. And uh, 
like, this where we just pick apart Brett's news? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is like Angela Bishop did a uh, did a five minute piece on uh, how Bobby Flynn got evicted from Idol that's in the middle of Channel Ten News. That's not news. That, that's not news at all. It doesn't quite work. I think we need a. That's not news. Ta-da. You know what? <laughs> Andrew G's not not an improvised improvisational actor and shouldn't be on. Thank God you're here, and he shouldn't be on Celebrity Joker Poker just because they want to freaking cross promote shows. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not news, Brett. And yeah. <laughs> the uh, the thing is, though, Andy G has been taking acting lessons. Oh. So he does think of himself. So that's as how an he actor. got on Joker Poker. Did you no. did you see it over the week? It's no. gone prime time. No, they, they I, got I, saw, rid of a, I saw it. I just don't understand what your comment is. The very annoying Adam Spencer, um, and replace him with the very annoying Mike Goldman. I find him a lot less annoying, actually. All right, um, he's a lot easier on the eye. That was an Adam Spencer <laughs> joke about how wonky his eye is. <laughs> ah, right. Uh, they've shifted casinos, and uh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's a bit hey, of a time waster. Uh, Channel 7, along with Channel 9 and 10, as we've reported quite a bit on this show, is having their big push about free-to-air sport, save our sport, the big fear campaign saying, if you don't stand up now and be counted, your sport's going to be taken off the air. Thanks a lot, Channel 7. Didn't show the racing on Saturday and chose instead to show George and Mildred the movie and Hot Shots. And what about Channel 9? Both movie knows. (laughs) What about Channel 9? Uh, with the rugby game over in Auckland on Saturday night that started, uh, I think it was 8pm local time in Auckland, which made it about 6 or 5 local time uh, mm-hmm. on the mm-hmm. East Coast. Didn't show it live. Uh, they showed Funniest Home videos and the news and then went to it. Save, think, our, save our sport. I think we covered this a couple of weeks ago when I said, how dare they? Hmm. Really, how hmm. dare they? Hmm. And uh, that's it for Pork. That's it for Pork. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 57. I want to say thanks very much to our guest, Tom Elliott. Fantastic. Full of information. Uh, I'm going to have to... What was your favourite bit, Brett? I just hope he turns up. (laughs) What? (laughs) Now I'm all confused. I also want to say thank you to 3RRR, whose studios we use for recording this podcast. And uh, until next week... No, wait. Firstly, hooray at boxcutters.net is where you can email us. And boxcutters.net is where the blog is. And uh, regular listeners, contributors to the comments, get in touch because uh, we're going to give you the power. Congratulations to Rob Boxcutter, who became our first listener contributor. Yes, which is is excellent. And then we had to ban him. Because he just put crap up. Just nothing but <laughs> swear really words. Rude and, about Josh. That's terrible. Uh, we've also changed some rules on the uh, on the on the blog as far as commenting goes. You are going to have to register to comment on the blog, but it's worth it because we all like to have our say about television. And that brings us to the end of Box Guys episode <laughs> fifty-seven. My name is Josh Canal. Ross McLean. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Mm.